Blog Talk Radio. Diva B's Media Production is a part of the Shellcaster Network. The proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ by members of the Churches of Christ. With your host, Stevie R. Butler, you're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Good evening. Thank you for tuning in to the Gospel Light Radio Show. I'm your host this evening, Stevie R. Butler from the state of North Carolina with my co-host, Tim Bench from the state of Texas, Glenn McMillian from the state of Texas, Courtney Carruthers from the state of Illinois, Steve Corder from the state of Illinois, Dr. Frank Washington from the state of Florida, Clay Phillips from the state of Georgia, Brian Christian Coleman from the state of New Jersey, and Robert Lee Johnson from the state of Florida. Ladies and gentlemen, we are grateful that you are tuning into the radio broadcast this evening. This radio show is brought to you by loving and faithful members of the Churches of Christ. We ask you to take out your Bibles and study along with us. We have a very exciting show planned for your spiritual enlightenment. And your edification. If you'd like to contact us while we're on the air, this evening, just give me a call to the live show at 713-955-0508. If you have any questions or comments for any of my co-hosts on this broadcast, you can send your emails to my new email address, butlersteve1009 at yahoo.com. Or you can give me a call, Stevie B's Media Production Studio at 910-491. Six four zero five. Now again, this program is brought to you by members of the Churches of Christ. And if you need any assistance in locating a congregation in your area, please feel free to contact us. Now, folks, get out your Bibles and stay along with us here on the Gospel Light Radio Show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Before we go into our program for this evening, it is customary for us to start with an opening prayer as we kick off this show. Let us pray. Our most kind, gracious, loving, heavenly Father, the Father, Lord, and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for allowing us to go through the various activities of the day and placing it on our hearts that we are on this broadcast and we are prepared now to present a portion of your holy and divine word. Father, pray to be my co-host, Dr. Frank Washington, on the show this evening as he breaks unto us the bread of life. 
And also my co-host, Tim Bank, as he answers the questions that are on the hearts of so many. We pray that you'll bless them and their families that support their efforts as well. That they may continue to sow the seed of the kingdom. Father, we pray that you will bless our listeners this evening who are tuning in this broadcast via Blog Talk Radio as well as through social media. We pray that they may listen well and that their hearts may be pricked as they consider their eternal stance before you and their soul salvation. And it will cause them to ask the question, what must I do to be saved? Father, we thank you so much for sending the only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, to die such a cruel death on Calvary's cross. For we recognize that without such a sacrifice, we will not have a hope of eternal life. Father, even now, we ask you to forgive us for the transgressions of our own heart. We know our flesh is weak, and we often fall short of thy will. Father, we pray that you continue to bless us and keep us in love us all the days of our lives. And that we have been faithful unto death. Father, we pray that you will save us. For it's in Christ's name we do ask it all. Amen. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to the broadcast. Our speakers for the show this evening will be Dr. Frank Washington. He serves with the West Broward Church of Christ there in Plantation, Florida. He'll be making this proclamation of the Gospel of Christ. We'll just have one speaker on the program this evening. And in the second segment, I have a question from my shout-out platform on social media, Facebook. I'll be posing to my co-host, Tim Bench. He serves with the Oldham Lane Church of Christ there in Abilene, Texas. And he'll be answering our question for this evening. So open up your Bibles and open your minds, and let's have a great show. After the break, the next one should be that of my co-host, Dr. Frank Washington. Enjoy the show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Let us gather just for a crown 
Listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Ladies and gentlemen, my speaker has been delayed, so I'm going to play a few songs here till he is ready. So just bear with us just a few moments. Thank you. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
your attention to the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Got 
better keep the faith. There's gonna be that there's gonna be a greater day. This is what I found out, child. Even if you don't see the S-U-N, yeah, you can always see the S-O-N, yeah, that you gotta trust and you gotta believe Jesus, he's coming again, yeah. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Give your attention to the proclamation of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Now my call, Doctor. Now, my co-host, Dr. Frank Washington, and his subject, Sanctification. Good evening, brothers and sisters, visitors, and friends. I just walked in the door, so hope you all will bear with me just for a moment here. I uh, hope you all had a great day, and I hope that everything is going well for you, that God has given you. Uh, the grace that uh, you need for your life uh, and that all things will work out uh, together for uh, your good. Amen. Today I want to talk about sanctification. Now, sanctification is just a fancy church word that simply means cleaned up and ready to use. For example, your laundry that's been washed, dried, and ironed is sanctified. Why? Because it's been cleaned and prepared for use. Now, I heard a preacher say one time that his son uh, is a tennis shoe freak, and he starts out with a pair of Jordan sneakers. Now, those shoes are always spotless and ready to wear, and he buys the right type of cleaner and never allows a pair to get dirty. He even wears them, cleans them, and puts them in the box, ready to wear the next time. That sanctification, being cleaned up and ready for use. Now, it might be a bit stronger than just cleaning up. Uh, I'm very particular about um, some things that I do in my life. Uh, And I I, I wash things like several times, it seems, uh, with an SOS or Brillo pad if I'm cleaning in the kitchen and then uh, put it in the fire and dry it with the fire. But when it gets good and hot, you know, I take a little oil and cover the surface, that, and then I put it in the oven. But that's what sanctification is, being ready uh, for use. Now, in the Old Testament time, God told Moses to say to the people of Israel uh, in First Peter, it says, Be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. Leviticus 19, verse number 2. And then Peter echoes uh, these words in his first epistle, just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy, because I uh, am holy. And so since God himself is holy, the desires that we whom uh, he's created in his image should also be holy. And the work of God by which he makes us holy, uh, this is what we call sanctification. Now, in dealing with this word sanctification, uh, we want to start out with 
a uh, clear definition of what sanctification is. Now, sanctification, or we can define sanctification as that gracious operation of the Holy Spirit uh, involving our responsible participation by which he delivers us from the pollution of sin. Uh, renews our entire nature according to the image of God and enables us to live our lives that are pleasing to him. Now, using this definition as a point of departure, I, I, wanna, uh, I want you to observe that, first of all, that sanctification is concerned with the pollution of sin, commonly distinguished between the guilt uh, and the pollution associated with sin. But by guilt, we mean the state of deserving condemnation or uh, a person who's being liable uh, to punishment because God's law has been violated. So in justification, uh, which is the, declar- the, the declarative act of God, the guilt of our sin is removed on the basis of atoning work of Jesus Christ. By pollution, however, we mean the corruption of our nature, which is the result of sin and which in turn uh, produces further sin. So. As a result of the fall of our first parents, Adam and Eve, we are all born in a state of corruption. Uh, and the sins which we commit are not only products of that corruption, but also add to that corruption. So in sanctification, the pollution of sin is the process of being removed, though it will not be totally removed uh, until uh, the life comes to an end. Now, sanctification further affects a renewal of our nature. That is, it brings about a change of direction rather than a change in substance. In sanctifying us, God does not equip us with powers or uh, capacities which are totally different from those we had before. Rather, he enables us to use the gifts he gave us um, in the right way instead of in sinful ways. So sanctification empowers us to think. Uh, Sanctification empowers us Uh, to will and to love in a way that glorifies God and to think God's thoughts after him uh, and to do what is in harmony with his will. Sanctification also means being enabled to live lives that are pleasing to God. Now, it's commonly said that in sanctifying us, God enables us to perform good works, and these good works must not be thought of as meritorious. And they cannot be done perfectly. That is, here's what I'm saying, with a flaw or blemish. We are not perfect. We are mature. We are maturing, but we are not without flaws, and we are not without blemish. Yet they are necessary. So in Ephesians 2.10, it tells us God, good works are described as the fruit of our salvation. Of our salvation. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do, end quote. So in other words, we are not saved by works, but for works. Yet, since the expression good works might be interpreted somewhat uh, altruistically, uh, as suggesting, say, that we should do so many good works a day, I prefer to say that sanctification enables us, you and I, children of God, children of the Most High God, and it enables us to live lives which are pleasing to God. I, I, hope, you, I hope you got that. I hope you got, you got that in your spirit, and I hope you, you, you're working that uh, in your spirit 100. 
Now, the Bible concept of holiness, in sanctification, there is that uh, holiness. Since the word sanctify means to make holy from two Latin words, uh, sanctus, holy, and facere is to make, uh, we, 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 we should look next at what the Bible teaches us about holiness in human beings. Uh, the chief Old Testament word for holy is kadosh. Uh, from this root word, uh, we get a verb and a noun that are, de- that are derived. Now, the basic meaning of this word seems to be uh, to separate from other things, that is to place something or someone in a realm or uh, category separated from what is common or what is profane. Now, in the earlier books of the Old Testament, the holiness of God's people is usually defined in ceremonial terms. Holiness, the holiness of God, uh, of God's people is usually defined in ceremonial terms. Holiness describes the way in which priests were to be set apart uh, for their special service or by which the people were to purify themselves through certain ritual observances. Now, uh, later Old Testament books, however, particularly the Psalms and the Prophets, Describe the holiness of God's people primarily in ethical terms, as involving, that is, doing righteousness, speaking the truth, acting justly, loving mercy, and uh, walking humbly with God. If you look at Psalms 15, 1 and 2, it will give you those, those, uh, those, those terms in there. Now, but what is conveyed by the word kolosh, therefore, is that God's people are to be set apart for God's service and that they should avoid whatever is displeasing to him. Now, the chief new, now, now, now that's the Old Testament, but the chief New Testament word for holy is hagios and its derivative. But through those, through the use of that word, in various senses, that word often describes the sanctification of believers, as in Ephesians 5, 25 through 26, which says, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify, there is that word, sanctify her. That's in the Revised Standard Version. And in this sense, holiness in the New Testament means two things, separation. Now, I want you to pay attention to this now. Sanctification in the New Testament for you and I as believers of Jesus Christ means two things. Here's two things that we have to pay close attention to. One, separation from the sinful practices of this present world. And number two, consecration to God's service. Contrary to popular opinion now, holiness in the biblical sense means more uh, than not doing certain bad things and doing certain good things. It means to be spiritually separated from all that is sinful, that is sinful, and to be totally dedicated to God. Now, we ask what the Bible teaches about the way in which we are sanctified. We know first that uh, we are sanctified, meaning we are in union with Jesus Christ. We are in union with Jesus Christ. And Paul teaches that we are made holy, being united with Christ in his death and resurrection. Certain opponents, however, of Paul have been twisting his teaching about justification by faith so as to make them mean let's go uh, on sinning so that grace may abound or grace may increase, according to Romans chapter 6. And Paul says there's no way 
by no means, he says. We died to sin. When you were buried in baptism, when you were laid down into that water, we died to sin. He says, how can you live in it any longer? He goes on to show and goes on to say that we died to sin in union with Christ who died for us on the cross. And therefore, we are therefore buried with him through baptism into death, and our old self was crucified with him. So when you are buried with Christ in baptism and come up out of the water, you are to be a new creation, a new creation. The old things, the old self is gone. The old self was crucified with him in verse 4 and verse 6. Sanctification, therefore, must be understood as a dying to sin in Christ and with Christ, who also died to sin. So in the same chapter, Paul also tells us that we are one with Christ in his resurrection. For he says uh, in Romans 6, 4 through 5, he says, we were buried with him into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live, here's that, here's that new word that you guys got to learn, a new life. You are and I am a new creation. But many times we don't act like we are new creations. Well, I'm going to leave that alone, and maybe I'll talk about that uh, on next time. But if we have been reunited or united with Christ like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him uh, in his resurrection. Now, we are called to a new life, and I mentioned that earlier. You and I, when we accept Jesus Christ by faith, repentance, and baptism, when we are called to live the new life as new creations because we arose with Christ and share his resurrection life with him, now, Colossians 3.1 says that since then you have been raised with Christ, Christ, here's what you have to do. Set. There's that word, set. Set your hearts, set your minds on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Also, uh, look at uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 through 6. Passages of this sort remind us that we should not only say that Christ died for us and arose for us, but we should also confess that we died and arose with Christ. We share in that death. We died with him to sin and arose with him to the new life. Therefore, we are a new uh, creation. And so we are being sanctified through growing into a fuller and richer union with Christ. So Paul tells us that God's plan for us is that speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ, Ephesians 4.15. And he goes on to say and make clear that sanctification involves not simply individuals in isolation from each other, but the entire church community, the entire community of God's people. In verse 16, he says, from him, from Christ, the whole body grows and builds itself up in love as each part uh, does its work. So as we grow closer to Christ, we grow closer to each other. If you go to a congregation where people aren't close and they're always backstabbing each other, then you might want to, you know, you might recognize in your mind that they're not close to Christ. Because if we grow closer to Christ, we grow closer to each other. 
If you can't grow close to your wife, you're not growing. Clo- you're not growing close to Christ. If you can't grow close to your uh, spouse, your husband, or your wife, or your children, then you are not growing closer to Christ. Amen. I said it. I believe it, and that settles it. So as we grow closer to Christ, we also grow closer uh, to each other. We are sanctified through fellowship uh, with those who are in Christ with us. Now, our sanctification in union with Christ is masterfully summed up in 1 Corinthians one thirty. And here's what it says. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. And so the word here rendered holiness is hagiosmos, translated sanctification. In other words, the King James, American Standard, New American Standard, and the RSV. Paul catches us here by surprise. He says, Christ, he says, has not only brought about our sanctification, he is, Christ is our sanctification. If we are one with Christ, brothers and sisters, amen, if we are one with Christ, we are being sanctified. And the only way we can be sanctified is through being one with Christ. Now, we're also sanctified by means of the truth. In his so-called high priestly prayer, Jesus prays to his disciples. In John 17, 17, he says, sanctify them uh, by, or according to some versions, in the truth. Sanctify them in the truth. John 17, 17. Christ, who came to bear witness to the saving truth of God, prays that the Father may keep his disciples in the sphere of this redemptive truth. And once Christ was no longer in the, on this earth, this truth will be found in God's word. He therefore adds, your word is truth. Now, we must grow, brothers and sisters, grow in sanctification through the Bible, which is God's word. That the Bible is one of the chief means by where God sanctifies his people is clearly taught. Uh, if you look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 through 17, the Bible says, and you all probably know this by heart. All scripture, not some, but all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Amen. Now, faith is the outstanding means of satisfaction or sanctification. The Bible teaches that we are sanctified by faith. And one of the central truths proclaimed is that we are justified by how is faith a means of sanctification? Well, first of all, by faith, uh, we continue to grasp our union with Christ, which is the heart of our sanctification. And in that regeneration, which is totally a work of God, we are made one with Christ and enabled to believe in him. But we continue to live in union with Christ through the exercise of that faith. And so we learn, for example, in Ephesians 3.17, that Christ dwells in our heart through faith. Paul expresses this truth graphically in Galatians 2.20. He says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but what? Who? Christ lives in me. 
The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. That That's awesome. I, I mean, I, I just actually love that verse because listen to it again. He says, the life I live, the life you and I live today, we should live by faith in the Son of God, trust in the Son of God. Why? Because he loved me. Christ loved me enough and to give up himself for me. I couldn't do it for myself. So I am so thankful that he did it for me. That's just a wonderful, wonderful projection of what Christ has done uh, for me and what Christ has done for you. Many times we don't act like Christ has done anything for us. We think we did it all by ourselves. But brothers and sisters, tell the truth. Stay in the church. Jesus did. He loved you enough to give himself up for you uh, and for me. And that's awesome. Amen. Second, first, by faith, we continue to grasp our union with God. Second, by faith, we accept the fact that Christ sin no longer has the mastery over us. Now, believers must not only recognize intellectually, but embrace the full belief, the truth that our old self was crucified with Christ so that the body of sin might be rendered powerless, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, Romans 6 and verse number 6. And that in verse number 14, here we go, and that sin is no longer our master because we are not under the law but we are now under faith. We accept the fact that in Christ, sin no longer has control or mastery over our lives. Now, let me say this, uh, so just, just so you know, we're clear. When you go down in the water, if you were an addict before you went down in the water, you're still an addict when you come back up. If you were an alcoholic or a drunk you know, when you went down in the water, you, you're going to come up one as well. But so what I'm saying here is the process of becoming that one with Jesus Christ, it is a process. It will take time. It does not happen automatically. When, when the Bible says that sin is no longer your master because we are not under the law but under grace, yes, it's no longer your master. But it's going to take you and me a little time to be – to get control of ourselves. If we don't let the word of God con- control our thoughts and control our tongue, then we're going to always continually fall uh, back into sin. So by faith, we accept the fact that in Christ, sin no longer has the mastery over us. And here's my added to this. It takes time. It's a process. So don't give up. So third, by faith, we grasp the power of the Holy Spirit, which enables us to overcome sin and live for God. Now, through faith, we must appropriate the encouraging truth that the spirit we are able to put to death, by Bible spirit, we are able to put to death the misdeeds of the body, Romans 8, 13, and that if we live by the spirit, we will receive strength to cease gratifying the desires of the sinful nature and to bring forth the Spirit's fruits, Galatians 5, 16. Now, faith, in fact, is the shield with which we distinguish all 
the flaming arrows of the evil one. By faith, it, our faith should be the shield in which we can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the devil. And that's by faith. We grasp the power. The Holy Spirit can give us power. It does not give us fear, doubt. It gives us power. And that power the Holy Spirit gives us enables us to overcome sin and live for God. Isn't that wonderful? So finally, faith is not only a receptive organ, but also an operative true faith by its very nature produces spiritual fruit. Uh, In Christ Jesus, affirms Paul, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing counts is faith expressing itself or literally energizing itself. And that's from the Greek word uh, energio, true love. Faith produces work, according to 1 Thessalonians 1 and 3. And the goal of God's command is love which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. So in words that are often quoted, James declares, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is, or faith without works is dead. We should therefore recognize as people of God that by faith we should have sanctification. We should be in our sanctification all the time. Apostle John uh, sums up the significance of faith. He says in 1 John 5, 4, this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. The pattern of sanctification, we are saved by grace through that faith. Now, I think my time is almost uh, almost done here, so let me get to, let me get to my conclusion here. Um, God and his people in sanctification. Whose work is sanctification? And looking at the pattern of sanctification, we have observed that it is both the work of God and the responsibility of his people. And scripture plainly teaches that God is the author of sanctification. The work of sanctification is ascribed to all three persons of the Trinity. Jesus defied them uh, by the truth, thereby ascribing sanctification to the Father, the author of the Hebrews, uh, of Hebrews makes a similar point. He says, our father disciplined us for a little while, while as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good, that we might share in his holiness. Now, since the purpose of his, of his discipline is that we may share in God's holiness, we conclude that the process described is what we have been calling sanctification, and that God may uh, use such things as suffering, pain, uh, as means of sanctification, of this discipline, disciplining. Uh, God identified in the previous verse as the father of our spirits is here said to be uh, the author. So uh, who is uh, in work in sanctification? The Trinity. And so sanctification is also ascribed to the Son. First, it's ascribed to the Father. Now it's ascribed to the Son, as we learn in Ephesians 5 and 25. Paul tells his readers that husbands, should love their wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, her holy, or to sanctify her, cleansing her by washing with water through the word and to present her or to present her to himself 
as a radiant church without stain or spot or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Christ, the second person of the Trinity, is identified as the agent of sanctification, cleansing the church by the washing of water uh, through the word. Sanctification is also commonly ascribed to the Holy Spirit. Peter says that God's people have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God, the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ. That's in verse 1 and verse 2. Paul tells us further in Romans 15 and verse 16 that he was, he was sent to proclaim the gospel so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. He also thanked God that he chose the Thessalonians to be saved through the sanctifying work. That word sanctifying is, is, is very important. And thus, and in Titus chapter 3 and verse number 5, states that God saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. Sanctification also involves our responsive participation to the members of the Corinthian church designed in earlier uh, epistles as though sanctified in Christ Jesus. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 7 and 1, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that, con- that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Isn't that wonderful? Paul, listen to it again. Since we have these promises, and there are promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves, clean ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence, out of reverence for God. And so I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy, uh, acceptable, and pleasing to God. Romans 12.1, this is your spiritual act of worship. So do not conform uh, any longer to the pattern of this world, but do what? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There's a theologian by the name of J.C. Ryle who occasioned this way. He says, sanctification is a thing for which every believer is responsible, whose fault it is if they, if they believers, are not holy but their own. On whom can they throw the blame if they are not sanctified but themselves? God, who has given them grace and a new heart and a new nature, has deprived them of all excuse if they, do, if they do not live for his praise. Brothers and sisters, if we don't live for God's praise, then whose fault is it if we're not sanctified? If we do not, uh, if we are not responsible for our sanctification. Amen. So summing up, we may say that sanctification is a supernatural work of God, the Trinity, in which the believer, you and I, active role. In our sanctification, the more active we are in sanctification, the more sure we may be that the energizing power that enables us to be active is through the power of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I hope this lesson somebody today, and I hope that you will stay in God's grip. And may God bless you, and may he bless you real good you're listening to the gospel light radio show it ain't easy 
You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Shout it out question. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the portion of the broadcast where I have a question from my social media platform on Shout It Out. We want to pose that question to my co-host. We also want to encourage our listeners to get involved on that uh, Facebook group there on social media and get involved in those biblical discussions. Now, my co-host on the show this evening will be Kim Bench from the O.M. Lane Church of Christ there in Abilene, Texas. He'll be answering our question for this evening. Hey, Tim, how you doing, my brother? How are you, Stevie? I'm doing just fine. Now, here's the question that we have uh, for your consideration. Now, before I ask this question, let me go ahead and read the scriptural reference that's used for this question, and then I'll pose the question. And the scriptural reference that's used is Matthew chapter 18 and verse 28. And this is Jesus talking, and he says, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Now, here's the question. This uh, question is from an anonymous query from the state of Illinois, and the query says, I often hear people quote this verse to infer that they don't have to attend worship services at a building. They say as long as they are meeting with two or three people, they are following the Lord's commandments. Now, here's the question. Please explain this verse if I am wrong with my assertion. What say you to this question? Stevie, this is the perfect example of context, and what we need to do here is read the verses leading up to this. Yes, verse 20 says, uh, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. But let's take a look at the verses that lead up to that, beginning with verse 15. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault, between thee and him alone, if he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. Verse 17, if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican, Verily I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again I say unto you, that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. And then you have verse 20. It is vitally important to note here what is being talked about. And it's church discipline, how to work around the problem or work towards the problem when you have someone who is in error. That's what is being talked about here. I want to share a citation from Ben Gieselbach on the real meaning of Matthew 18:20. quote, don't misapply Matthew 18 verse 20. It isn't a therapeutic passage for Christians who are depressed over a shrinking membership roster. Jesus is not talking about low attendance numbers or being forced to worship in a hotel room with your family when there's not a local church with which to worship. In fact, these two or three were not gathered to worship. They were gathered to verify the repentance or impenitence of a Christian guilty of sin. The context 
of Matthew 18, verses 15 through 20 is church discipline. Jesus, in fact, says, if you choose to preserve the holiness of my church, I will be with you the whole time, no matter the pushback that you receive. Here's the key quote, Stevie. The real meaning is this. During the incredibly difficult time when Christians must deliver an impenitent member of the church to Satan, the church needs to find great comfort knowing that Jesus is there with them. Let's look at Matthew 18. A sin has been committed in the church, according to verse 15. The Christian who is guilty of that sin refuses to repent, verse 16. The whole church knows about this sin, verse 17. When the church agrees to sever its social relationship with the erring Christian, it does so with the authority of heaven, verse 18. Then Jesus puts his own authority behind this decision in two ways. First, Jesus invokes a Jewish courtroom principle from Deuteronomy 19, verses 15 through 19 that says two or three witnesses, there's that term again, must agree in order to bring a legally binding charge against someone. Jesus is putting this part of the old law back to work under the new law. These two or three, probably elders, or usually the elders who make decisions for the whole church to remove someone from their fellowship, are now legally bound or covenanted to one another in the law of the kingdom. Jesus is binding his church together with glue. Jesus guarantees that agreement with him, guarantees that agreement with his own presence when he says, when you do this for my church, I'm there. You have my seal of approval. You represent me just as the temple once represented God's authority and blessing. Make no mistake, it's nice to know that even when just a handful of two or three Christians gather together to worship, Jesus is with them. But bear in mind that Jesus is with two or three Christians in that same sense just as much as he is with one Christian who may be forced to worship alone, end quote. This is from Todd Clifford with the Burleson Church of Christ in Hamilton, Alabama, quote, Context is critical to a proper understanding of any text. The context of Matthew 18:20 begins back in verse 15, and the only subject under consideration is the reconciliation between estranged brethren and the ultimate action to be taken against unrepentant brethren. Note that the text immediately follows the command to separate ourselves from the unrepentant. Consider also that at least two other similar texts, 1 Corinthians 5, verses 1 through 5, and 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6, the name of Jesus is invoked to confirm divine approval of said action. Matthew 18, 20 concerns church discipline, not church worship, end quote. So again, I want to emphasize this. There is not a thing wrong with attending a church of 20 people or 10 people or even one individual family, as long as that worship uh, that's done there is according to New Testament guidelines and parameters. But with that being said, Matthew 18.20 is not discussing church attendance or whether we should in actuality be meeting in a building or not. That's not the point of this. And again, I think this serves as a wonderful example of why context is always so important and reading the verse, uh, verses leading up to this very clearly shows this was dealing with discipline, not meeting in a church. Thank you so much, Tim, for clarifying that question for us. 
I tell you, I definitely have heard uh, people say that all the time. As long and and you also make the point too that Jesus is still with us with one or two people. It doesn't matter about that. But they just always use Matthew eighteen twenty to justify that argument. So and it's important to note, Stevie, during the COVID, you know, during the pandemic for the last year or so, when so many church services have been canceled or have been, you know, reduced to meeting in homes, this verse has certainly been thrown around by people and you know, deservedly so, but Again, when we when we pick out a verse, it's it's always so important that we look at what comes before it and after it. Uh, you know, again, nobody is saying that a small church meeting or an individual family meeting together, nobody is saying there's anything wrong with that. But that's not what these verses are trying to promote either. Right. But there was folks saying there was something wrong with people meeting by themselves during the pandemic. Oh, absolutely. That yeah, that, yeah, that was one. You're, you're absolutely right. That that was right. certainly an argument that, that was being made and is still being made. Right. But thank you so much for answering our question this evening. Appreciate it. You bet. Thank you. All right. Shout it out question. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Is your congregation in need of lending for a building or expansion project? As your partner and advocate, Diversified Financial Network will take the time to understand your unique situation and develop a financing solution that meets your specific needs. It's an exciting time for your congregation, and what you need is a company with expertise in church financing early in the process. Call us today at 1-866-513-6665. Or visit us at www.diversifiedfinancegroup.com. These are the announcements for the events and activities in the Churches of Christ. If you'd like to have any events and activities announced on this radio broadcast, please contact me at Stephen B. Production Studio at telephone number 910491. 6405. I'll send you emails to my new email address, buttsteve1009 at yahoo.com. Due to the coronavirus pandemic outbreak, I will not be making any public announcements until further notice regarding public meetings and assemblies, but I will be making announcements about the events and activities happening here on social media. But I do have one announcement for a congregation here in my local area here in Fayetteville. North Carolina, the 500 Helen Street Church of Christ, uh, Helen Street Church of Christ meeting at 500 Helen Street in Fayetteville, North Carolina. They will be meeting on Sunday morning for worship service at 10 a.m. and Bible study immediately after their services. And there's, uh, they will also be holding services on Zoom simultaneously as they hold their public worship. But there will be no Sunday evening worship, and their worship will be on Zoom on Wednesday night as well. On Thursday at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 9 p.m. Central Standard Time, and 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, there will be a nationwide gospel call that's sponsored by the Church of Christ in Highland Heights, Houston, Texas. And the telephone number to this call is 857-216-6700. And access code is 328-497. This is a nationwide outreach to those who are not members of the Churches of Christ. And the speakers will be presenting the basic salvation message for them to learn within the school in order to be saved, as well as information regarding the churches of Christ. In addition, it's intended to edify and strengthen the faith of those who are Christians. 
On Tuesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. Central Standard Time, the Christ Church of Christ from San Antonio, Texas, presents the Women's Work of Bible Class. And this class will be held on www.zoom.com. And the class ID number is 821-3692-8262. Daily at 6 a.m. Central Standard Time, the Ladies in Christ Prayer Line, hosted by the Church of Christ in Lafayette, Louisiana. And the telephone number for this prayer line is 605-472-5203. And the access code is 514-859. My co-host here on Gospel Light Radio Show, Steve Corwin, he has a new book entitled God, Grace, and You. And you can order this book from the 21st Century Christian Catalog. There'll be a spring-summer series every fourth Wednesday of each month at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. There'll be a preacher's panel discussion. Join Minister Michael Crusoe as he moderates a series of discussions featuring seasoned preachers from the Brotherhood of the Church of Christ. And the topic under discussion is expanding the role of women in Christian worship. A word from the Lord. CBB's new production presents. We have a new show that will air this fall, beginning on October 31st, every last Tuesday of the month. That will be a part of the show, What a Word from the Lord, that airs on Tuesday evening. And this new show is, is called The Kelly Fletcher Show. And this show will air every fourth Tuesday of the month. So stay tuned to What a Word from the Lord radio show. And just a program reminder, Stephen B. Lee Production presents we're airing live shows here on Blog Talk Radio. And you can call us the live show at 713-955-0508. Or type in your search bar, www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash gospel light radio show. And on Tuesday evening from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 5 to 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, I'll be hosting a live show, What a Word from the Lord radio show. And each week on this broadcast, I have a guest speaker from the Brotherhood of the Churches of Christ who will be presenting a message from the Word of God. We also have the Community Corner segment for small business owners and entrepreneurs who have products and services for our communities. And also I have three co-hosts on this show, uh, Luke Gilbert, who's the evangelist for the Old Brook Park Church of Christ there in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And my newest co-host, Shana Oldis, she's with the Greenway Church of Christ there in Nashville, Tennessee, Church in the Mid-Tennessee on the air every third Tuesday of the month. And my newest co-host, Isa Mullins, he served with the Helen Street Church of Christ here in Fayetteville, North Carolina. Being on Thursday night, I'm hosting a live show, the Gospel Light Radio Show. And this show will air from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 5 to 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. And I have eight co-hosts on this show where we present messages from the Word of God. And each week I have two of my co-hosts on the air with me. Although tonight I only had one co-host on the show tonight, Dr. Frank Washington. I also have, I'm taking questions from my social media platform on Facebook that I'll be posting to one of my co-hosts on the air. And then on Friday night at our new time from 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 8 to 10 p.m. Central Standard Time, I'll be hosting a live show. What a, I'm sorry, Stevie B's Acapella. Gospel Music Blast. That show will air this Friday night from 9 to 11 p.m. And on the show this Friday night, my special guest will be Irvin C. Jackson. will be debuting some new music from Irvin. And then on August the 6th, my special guest on that show, The Story Glory Segment, will be Clarence Holmes from Decatur, Alabama. 
look forward to interviewing Clarence. And then on August the 13th, we have a group, a acapella group, uh, Divine Experience will be debuting some new singles from them. They just released some new music. We look forward to having them on the broadcast as well. Then on August the 16th, I'll be counting down my top 20 acapella gospel songs for the month of August. And my on-demand episodes, if you can't catch any of these live shows, ladies and gentlemen, where you're getting your favorite podcast from, uh, just type in your search bar, Stevie B Media Profession, and you'll see all of the shows that we're producing here on a weekly basis here on Blog Talk Radio. And some of the major musical platforms that you can get your podcast from, I always like to announce these uh, various platforms because these are some of the most popular ones that people are aware of. Spotify, uh, Apple iTunes, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, YouTube, just to name a few. I have a new sponsorship manager for my sponsors of these radio shows. Her name is Michelle Marco for Lauderdale, Florida. If you'd like to sponsor any of these radio shows, just give her a call at 954-687-4705. She'll be glad to get you started sponsoring these shows. Now, I'd like to give a shout-out to all of my sponsors, and I do this because I just really appreciate everyone who's been supporting these radio shows from the very beginning. Sharon Norwood, she's from Chicago, Illinois. Bethesda Memorial from the Director of Crematory Services out of DeSoto, Texas. Stanley Phillips, he's the owner of a touch of class of pearl out of Little Rock, Arkansas. And Cheryl Marat from Charlotte, North Carolina. You want to crackers just from Nashville, Tennessee. Melvin Jackson from High Point, North Carolina. Marquise Holmes from Charlotte, North Carolina. And Stephanie Booker Wilson from Greensboro, North Carolina. Diversified Financial Network, LLC. Out of Dallas, Texas, on this market, Charlotte Carroll, and Odey Faith Publishing out of Fort Lauderdale, Florida. The three E's of Stephen B's Media Production is it is the objective of this broadcast. We want to educate, we want to edify, we want to encourage you in a study of God's Word. And that will conclude our program announcements. Stay tuned to the Gospel Live Radio Show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Will you forgive me? For I've done wrong. And will you accept me, Jesus? As I kneel at your throne, dear Lord. And all of my brothers, he will always criticize and accuse. Yes, he will. But I know that my Jesus, he will make me brand new. I'm ready at my bidding, Lord. Lord, hear my sin, please. Cause you're second chance. 
how she done cried. And they each have a stone to love. But you knelt beside me, Jesus. And my fears are all gone. Praise God. Cause you give me peace.
turn from hatred, turn towards love. My brother, my sister, God will give you a second chance. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Give your attention to the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, my co-host, Dr. Frank Washington, and his subject, Sanctification, Part 2. All right. Thank you, Brother Stevie B., for giving me a Part 2 to this lesson. Uh, This is part of uh, a lesson that I do with some graduate students at the seminary school where I uh, used to attend. Uh, So hopefully it's not going to be that boring, the second part, Uh, but I'll try to, you know, make it as simple and as clean as I possibly can. Amen. Um, In part one, we talked about uh, sanctification being uh, basically uh, cleaned up uh, and prepared for use. Uh, But in this section, I want to go into something a little bit different. Uh, as uh, we talk about sanctification. Uh, sanctification is something that um, most preachers don't you know, deal with too much. I know the ones who are on this program, I know that they are very you know, good scholarly and theologians who uh, understand the whole oracles of God, and they do teach sanctification, justification, glorification. I know that they do that. Um, but here I want to talk about the, the part two of this, um, about sanctification, being understood as being definitive as well as progressive. Sanctification is definitive and progressive. Well, what do I mean when I say it's definitive? Well, uh, it is definitive in the sense that it means that uh, the work of the Spirit whereby it, it causes us to die to sin, to be raised with Christ, and to be made new creations or new creatures uh, in Jesus Christ. In the progressive sense, it's understood that the work of the Spirit uh, continually renews and transforms the believer uh, into the likeness of Christ, enabling uh, you and I to keep on growing in grace and to keep on perfecting our holiness. Now, some could think uh, of definitive sanctification as the beginning of the process and of progressive sanctification as the continual maturing of the new person who was uh, created by the definitive sanctification. But while sanctification in its totality is the work of God from beginning to end, it is the active 
participation of the believer is required. So don't think that sanctification is something that you know God just throws out at you, and if it hits you, it hits you. No, it, that's not it. That there is a part that we believers must uh, play in our sanctification. The Holy Spirit can only do so much. That's why it is important for the believer, the Christian, you and I, uh, to do to participate in the work of the Holy Spirit. So again, one could think of the, the definitive sanctification at the beginning of the process uh, and of progressive sanctification as the continual maturing of a new person who was created by the definitive sanctification, simply meaning while sanctification is totally the work of God from beginning to end, the active participation of, of, of the believer is also required. So God plays a part, and you and I, uh, we also play a part. And so not only must believers appropriate our definitive sanctification by faith, we must likewise continue daily uh, to be active in our uh, progressive sanctification, bringing holiness to its goal. Um, so the question then would be, uh, is the believer both an, a, an old self and a new self or a new self? You know, are you an old man or are you a new man? Well, I think you're both. Uh, if we turn to the, this is this is the problem that most people find confusing uh, regarding the question of the relationship between our so-called old life and our new life, or old person and new person. Now, in Romans six six, Colossians three nine, these expressions are found only in Paul's uh, diaspora. The term old is found in Romans six, Colossians three, Ephesians four. The term new self is found in Colossians 3, uh, verse 10, where the Greek word neos is used for new, and Ephesians 4, 24, where the Greek word kainos is used also for new. But in these passages, Paul contrasts the old self associated with the life of sin with the new self that we have put on now that we are in Christ. So on the question of the relationship between these two selves, uh, it differs. The Christian in this view is understood to be partly new self and partly old self. Uh, it's almost like a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Mr. Hyde. Uh, at times, the old self is in control, but at other times, the new self uh, is in control. And the struggle of life, according to this view, is the struggle between those two aspects of the believer's uh, being. So by way of example, consider how one of the uh, oldest proponents of this view describes the uh, fight against sin in believers. He says, and I quote, the struggle is between the inner man of the heart, which has been created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. The old man who, through driven, who though driven out of the center, still wants to remain uh, his existence and who fights all the more fiercely the more territory he loses. This is the struggle between two people in the same person. In every deliberation and deed of the believer, therefore good and evil are, at, as it were, mingled together. In all his thoughts and actions, something of the old and something of the new man is present. End quote. So the contrast between old man and new man 
has frequently been interpreted as the contrast between that which is new in the believer and that which is old. Pieces which exist in the believer between holiness and sin is uh, the antithesis between the new man and the old man in him. Now, the believer is both old man and new man. When he does well, he's acting in terms, and when he does good, he's acting in terms of uh, the new creation, which he is. Uh, When he sins, he's acting in terms uh, of the old nature, which he also is, or she. Now, this interpretation does not find support in a lot of uh, Paul's preaching, but I believe that this is correct, that when we begin with Romans 6, 6, the Bible says, for we know that our old self, your, your old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be rendered powerless, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, end quote. Now, what does Paul mean here by the old self? Well, there are some uh, scholars who suggest that this expression uh, designates the person in his unity as dominated by the flesh and sin. Uh, in other words, Paul is here taking, talking about a totality, a total person enslaved by sin where we all are uh, by nature. That's what we are by nature. And what we all were before our conversion. Now, that person, you and I, were enslaved by sin, but we were crucified with Christ. And when Christ died on the cross, he dealt a death blow to our old self. Given the meaning of crucified, Romans 6, 6 states that uh, unmistakable clarity that we who are in Christ, who are one with him in his death, are no longer the old selves we once were. So other passages in Paul's epistles uh, confirm that understanding of the death of the old self. And Colossians 3, 9, uh, consider above in connection with the definitive sanctification, teaches us about the old and the new self. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self or the new life or the new creation, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of the creator. So Paul tells the Colossian believers not that they now or daily should take off the old self and put on the new self, but they have already done so. They make this change when at the time of their conversion, they appropriated by faith what Christ had done for them when he died and he rose again. In Ephesians 4, 20 and 24, parallels uh, with the other verses, but there is some difficulty with this. In Ephesians verse 20, it says, you, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. Verse 22, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your mind and to put on the new self, created to be like God uh, in true righteousness and, uh, and holiness. Now, the Greek text of verse 22-24 has three main uh, infinitives. And, and they're Greek terms, so I'm not going to get into the Greek terms because you can understand them. But I'm going to I'm going to use now the what they mean. The first one means to put off, to be made new, and to put on. 
which in which many uh, versions is translated as imperatives. But as Paul uh, was telling the believers in Ephesus, in Ephesus that they should now do, meaning put off and be renewed and put on. So following this rendering, the command, which would indeed be inconsistent with the position just defined. Now, though the translation found in the RSV is not grammatically incorrect, there's another possibility in this sanctification. These infinitives can also be understood as so-called explanatory infinitives. That is, as simply giving the content of the teaching referred to in verses 20 and 21. In this analysis, Paul's assuming that his readers have done what they were taught to do, that this understanding of the text makes its teaching parallel to that of the similar passages from Colossians, commonly considered the 20 epistles to to Ephesians. So from the passages that we just went through, that we just considered, it's clear, it should be clear, that according to the New Testament, consistent with its teaching on the definitive aspect of sanctification, believers are no longer the old selves they once were. They are not as they've often been taught, the old self and the new self, but are indeed new selves in Christ. We are new people, new creations in Christ. Now, Paul highlights this important point in the stirring words of 2 Corinthians 5.17. If anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. And so we must not minimize the importance of this teaching and of its bearing on our sanctification. Now, I know that that old man is still in me. I, it, I have no doubt about it. That old man, because I'm still under construction. I'm, I'm a preacher. I'm a pastor that's still under construction. Uh, I am not perfect. If you step on my foot, I, I may reach back and, you know, Say thank God for Jesus But we we all have that old nature Still raging through us many times uh, But through God's word And through the help of the Holy Spirit We are hopeful uh, that we can overcome that nature And that nature no longer has control uh, over, our, uh, over our lives So our old man has been crucified Once we have been baptized And once we have allowed the Holy Spirit To work into our lives Uh, The old man uh, has been crucified, and therefore we need to let that old man go. We can't do the same things that we used to do. We can't, you know, many times associate with the same people that we associate with because they would bring out that old nature. So through believers, uh, though believers are uh, new people, uh, we've we've not yet attained, and if anybody has, let me know because I want a piece of that. Uh, We have not yet attained sinless perfection. Uh, you and I still struggle against sin. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 3.10, the new self that believers have put on is described as a self that is being renewed. And this renewal is a lifelong process. No one ever can say, I have arrived and still alive. You cannot be. It is a lifelong process. In Ephesians 4.23, Paul tells us 
that although they have put off the old self and put on the new, they are being made new in the attitude of their mind. What's your attitude like? Has your attitude changed? The definitive, I'm sorry, the infinitive uh, rendered made new is in the present tense, suggesting a continuing process. So believers who have become new creations in Christ are still told, to put to death the misdeeds of your body, Romans 8.10, to kill whatever is sinful in them, Colossians 3.5, to rid themselves of such sins as lust, greed, rage, anger, malice, uh, filthy language, cursing, all that, and purify themselves, uh, everything that contaminates uh, the body and the spirit. And so the new creation described in the New Testament is not equivalent to sinless perfection. The newness of the new creation is not static but dynamic, needing continual renewal, continual growth, and continual transformation. A believer conscious of his or her shortcomings does not need to say, because I'm still a sinner, I cannot consider myself a new person. Yes, you can. You should be saying, I am a new person. I am a new creation in Jesus Christ, but I still got a lot of growing to do. Amen? You are a new creation in Christ Jesus, but you still have a lot of work ahead of you. So the believer must tendencies to sin, which remains within us. They're not going away, but you have to make sure that you do what is necessary and staying close to the Holy Spirit, uh, that the, when the author of Hebrews writes to believers, he says, put it, he puts it this way uh, in Hebrews 12.1. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witness, witnesses, uh, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles or besets or that clings so closely. Paul exhorts the Christians in Galatia, walk by the spirit and you will carry out the desires and you will not carry out the desires uh, of the flesh. Paul means uh, the inclination that it's still in us to rebel against God's word. Whatever we may say or whatever we call this tendency, indwelling sin, remnants of corruption, vestiges of sin or my sinful nature, whatever you want to call it, we have to remember that even after we have been regenerated, we still have a lot of sinful impulses, and we still got to fight against them as long as we live. Let me sum up again uh, this part two. Uh, we can say that Christians are no longer old people or, uh, but new people or new creations uh, who are being progressively renewed. We must still battle against sin each and every day. If you were an alcoholic, you still have to battle with not, you know, jumping back on that wagon. You you still have to battle with alcohol. You still have to battle with uh, drugs. You still have to battle with uh, lust. You still have to battle with sexual immorality. You still have to. Those things aren't going away. But the more you have Jesus in your heart and let the Holy Spirit work in your life, that battle is no longer yours. It belongs to the Lord. So we must still battle against the sin and will sometimes 
fall into sin. Yes, we will. There are times we will fall. I, it, it, is there anybody out there that falls into sin just like I do? Well, listen, I just want to stop by to say I need you to pray for me, and I'm certainly going to pray for you. But we are no longer slaves to sin. Amen. Hallelujah. In the strength of the Spirit, listen to me, brothers and sisters, as I close. In the strength of the Spirit, we are now able, by the power of God, we are now able to resist sin. Since for every temptation, God will provide a way of escape. God will provide a way of escape. First Corinthians ten thirteen. Two has been a little bit more helpful to you, and I hope that uh, you will continue to stay close to God and 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 allow Him to uh, put on things in your life that will help you overcome the sin that Paul says that many times so easily besets us. So may God bless you. May God bless you real good, and stay in God's grip. God bless you. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. God, our Heavenly Father, Creator of all mankind, it is again we come to you with an humble state of mind. First of all, we'd like to thank you.
Listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Ladies and gentlemen, we are thrilled to be able to bring you a weekly broadcast. It is my prayer that the lessons that were given on this radio show be beneficial to your spiritual lives and your relationship with the Lord be strengthened. Because not only tuning in this radio show, but you're giving yourself over to a study of God's Word. I want to thank my co-host on the broadcast, Dr. Frank Washington. He did two lessons on the show that was not planned, but we had some time to uh, fill on the broadcast this evening, he was gracious enough to uh, continue on with this subject on sanctification. So he did part one and part two on that subject. And also my co-host, Tim Biffy, answered our question regarding Matthews 18, 20, dealing with that uh, gathering of two or three witnesses. And he also uh, gave a great explanation for that text. So we certainly appreciate his efforts as well. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm your host, Stephen R. Butler. I want to say on behalf of all of my co-hosts here on the Gospel Light Radio Show, we really do appreciate your love and support for these radio programs. Good night, everybody. God bless you. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. All right, you worshipers. Worship. Time to forget about all the trouble the devil's brought in our life. Give it over to God. Yeah. I want you to know right now at this time. We gotta give it praise. Let everybody worship. Oh, come on, sing. He's worthy. Everything, all the
troubles come, just hold on to God's unchanging hand. You might have fought some trials. You might have fought some tribulations here this morning. You might be a little weary, but I came to tell you.
stop and think of your situation Are you going in the right direction? And if it came right now Would you be prepared? Oh yeah To meet the Alpha and Omega Give account for what you've done Stand before you and give way. a count for all 